0: Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620.
2: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with us. A lot of ground to cover today. Let's get started. I... I I think so many people in the national media are just so obsessed with trying to push their agenda that, that they're they're missing the larger story. As I was just discussing with Steve Scafidi, the, the the big national story is this release of tax records that this outfit called a ProPublica. They claim to have received tax information from a number of the wealthiest Americans. And they have published that tax information, the the Jeff Bezoses and the Warren Buffet's of of the world. And this is of course all politically tied in. Keep in mind right now, Joe Biden is trying to push for a massive tax increase on on corporations and on the the so-called wealthy. And the argument is the wealthy do not pay their fair share. So coincidentally, right as this issue is coming to a head in Congress, mysteriously, all this private IRS tax Tax information of wealthy Americans gets leaked to ProPublica, and then it gets distributed to the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they run breathless stories. I mean, I'm looking at – I've got a whole series of them in front of me. They run breathless story after breathless story about how the wealthy in America aren't – are paying little in income taxes. At, and and we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But here's the bigger point. This is a crime. And you're starting to see this. You know, we talked about another example of where this, this happened yesterday where you had confidential security matters being leaked. It, it is a, it is a crime. Somebody with the access to IRS information leaked this for a political purpose that that was the idea let's try to let's try to embarrass republicans who aren't voting for a massive tax increase let's try to embarrass these wealthy people who supposedly aren't paying their quote-unquote fair share of taxes more on that in just a second but let, let's let try to do this so uh, presumably it came from somebody in the irs could have come from somebody i guess in the justice department who might have had access to that information uh but but somebody violated a federal law in leaking this information. Now, the way it works in this country is there's no accountability for the media to, there's nothing that says that the media can't run with information that was obtained illegally as long as they weren't the ones that obtained it illegally. So in other words, if, if suddenly you're a reporter and you open up your inbox and wow, there's all these secret IRS documents, there's nothing that says you can't run with them as long as you weren't the one that was responsible for like hacking into the IRS websites. But regardless of how you feel, about Jeff Bezos or Warren Buffett or any of these people. This, what should be scary about this is it could happen to anybody. I mean, let's say for whatever reasons, you know, you become, I don't know, the, the target, somebody at the IRS with access to this information just decides they don't like you. Maybe maybe it's your neighbor or something like that. A- and now, so they say, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to embarrass so-and-so. I'm going to release their information. That that should trouble all of us that you have people who are just deciding that because they want to advance a particular political agenda, they're going to ignore the law, use IRS records, and then try to embarrass people. And to me, that's that's sort of the the story. This is the IRS scandal that, that's out there. It's the fact that apparently you know you have employees who are willing to break the law knowing that there's going to be very little consequence as long as they can advance a political agenda. So that's that's my big take on this. That's the real story to me that's out there. All right. Then there's the other aspect of it. Oh, the wealthy aren't paying their share of taxes, which brings up the argument that I guess it's time to have again. In this country, we do not tax wealth. We tax income. So when you earn money, you pay income tax on it. So for example, you know, when you, in a, in the space of a given year, you're, you're working at your job and let's say you make $50,000 a year. Okay. You're, you're going to be taxed on that $50,000 that, that you have, have made. And maybe you've got some investments in stock or maybe you've got little aside business and stuff and you've sold some of that stock. And so maybe you've made $5,000 on the sale of that stock. Well, okay. Then you have to pay a tax on that. Maybe, if you are um, drawing, let's say you're 63 years old, so you're you're um, supplementing your income. You're still working, you're still making that 50 grand a year, but you're supplementing your income by taking money out of your 401k. All right, so let's say you take another 50 thousand dollars out of your 401k. You pay taxes on on that 50 thousand dollars that you've taken out. You pay tax on the income you have earned. You do not pay tax on your wealth so if if you have a house that's worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars well, you you pay tax on the income if you're using income to pay off the mortgage, but you don't get taxed on the value of your house, all right? When you sell your house, if you've made a profit, depending on how big the profit is, you, you might have to pay tax on your capital gains, you know, the the, amount, the money you made between what you sold it for and what you paid for it. But we tax income. We do not tax wealth. And the reason for that, the thinking is, Well, you know, you've already paid tax once on your income. So if I've paid tax on that $50,000 I was making and I use that as the down payment to, to my house, Right. It's not fair to tax me on the value of the house every year because the, the money that I paid into it. Well, that, that went, I've already paid tax on it. It was after tax money that I used to pay for the house. And if you tax me on the value of the house before I sell it, what you're doing is you're, you're really double taxing me. So that's always been the argument. So we tax income. So you can say, how is it? that these, these really wealthy people, for example, might have paid very little income tax and yet they're worth, you know, two billion dollars. Well, it's because, in general, they're paying tax on the income, the amount that they're taking out of their assets to live on every year, but they're not being taxed on the fact that they, they've they got, you know, houses worth, you know, uh, four or five or six hundred thousand or a million or two million dollars. You know, when they sell those houses, they might have to pay tax on them, but they're not paying tax right now. It's the difference between income and wealth, which brings back, and matter of fact, this is the focus of the New York Times story today, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and a number of other progressives. They think we need to change the nature of the tax system. And instead of taxing people on the income that they earn in a given year, what they think we need to do is to start taxing people's wealth. So in other words, if you are above a a certain threshold, if you have more than X amount of assets, the argument should be, well, what you should do is every year, you should have to account for the value of all your assets. How much is your house worth? How much are your cars worth? How much do you have in savings accounts? How much do you have in stock accounts? And regardless of whether or not you've drawn down on that, You should, the argument goes, have to pay a couple percent tax, a tax on of maybe 1% or 2% on the value of your assets. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And this, this latest disclosure, like I say, that is now fuel for this argument. See, you have these wealthy people who are paying a very, very small percentage of income, compared to their their overall wealth. Well, we've never taxed wealth, we've taxed income. And Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and a number of other progressives say, that's gotta change. We have to go after these mega rich people we have to figure out ways to get more tax from them, and the easiest way to do that is require them to report the value of their assets every year, and we'll tax that year after year after year. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think that's crazy. We discuss.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs>
2: Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I'm a CPA. I'm trying to get through to the IRS. and trying to get through to the IRS on the phone. It's next to impossible right now. Good to know that they have time to publish tax returns for rich people, but not time to answer the phone for CPAs and taxpayers trying to get their tax notices dealt with. Well, I mean, clearly this was this leak came from somebody in the IRS. And, and you don't know whether it was a low level minion or whether it was somebody high up who was trying to advance the progressive agenda. Let's try to, let's try to make this case that you have all these wealthy people that aren't paying their quote unquote fair share of taxes. So let's leak this private dot. Let's commit felonies by leaking this information and and nobody's going to care because the headline isn't going to be the criminal activity that led to the leak. It's going to be, oh my gosh, some of these rich people, they're as a percentage of their overall income, they're not paying tax, uh, or at least what some people would describe as sufficient tax, which, by the way, isn't it's it's not a a surprise if you don't realize income, you know, you you don't pay tax on that. If you buy stock for one hundred dollars in the most simple example you pay you've already you've paid tax on the money that you've used to buy that 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 $100 worth of stock so you know you probably probably cost you maybe $120 for that $100 you've already paid tax on that you don't pay any more tax until you sell the stock. And if you sell the stock for 200 bucks and you bought it for a hundred, then, you know, you've realized the gain of a hundred dollars, then you pay tax on that. That's just, that's how it's always worked. And I would argue that's how it, it should continue to work. Somebody says, okay, Jeff, well, you know, in your perfect world, what would you do? You know, and and my, my perfect world is I wouldn't change anything. Now, maybe you can can tinker with the edges and you can change the marginal tax rates and you can argue, you know, should the capital gains rate be this as opposed to that. But do I think that we should start taxing wealth? in this country and requiring people to account for the value of their property every year number one i don't think that's practical but number two i, I don't think that's right number three if you do that i think it will absolutely kill investment in this country uh, because people will try to figure out ways to then avoid it 855-616-1620 let's start with gene in milwaukee Jean, good afternoon
3: good afternoon Uh um, Actually, that kind of a tax, wealth tax, has been in effect in the state of Florida up until just a few years ago. And they call it an intangible tax. Uh, Jeff, I think I don't have enough smarts to do research on uh, its demise, but uh, that's what it was called. And I certainly would not like to see that kind of thing come in. I think you, uh, the more your income is, the more your tax should yeah. be. Maybe the rate's. The ranges should change, but uh, intangible tax or wealth tax that's not nothing not something new.
2: Well right and, and, right and, it's, no, and it's, it's been kicked around for a while in different places and of course you know I mean how do you decide on on what the value of something is? I mean th- let's be honest here this is all about a redistribution of wealth. This is about the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warrens of the world thinking that people who have money, have too much money and thinking that what we need to do is we need to take some of that money from those people who have more than they need and don't deserve what they have and figure out a way to get it to other people who are arguably more deserving of it. Well, the problem with this is, first of all, how do you how do you accurately define, you know, what something is worth every year and and, and what's going to happen? I mean, if the value of somebody's property goes down, now recently stuff's been going up, but does it go down? If it goes down in the course of a year, do do you give those people rebates? I mean, look, we have always based this country's taxation policies essentially on the income that you make. You pay tax with that. You pay tax on your income. You pay tax on gains and value that you've realized, and, and that's. And again, I'm I'm with you, Gene. If you want to have an argument that okay, we need to increase the capital gains rate or whatever. I mean, I, you can have that argument. Then, and, and the question is, at what point in time does it become confiscatory? But all right, you have that discussion. But this idea that people every year should have to sit down and assess all the value of their assets and then pay a tax on that. Don't buy it. 855-616-1620. Jacqueline in New Berlin, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi. Hi. Um, I'm I am calling because I'm part of that group of people who saved my whole lifetime because I don't have a pension and I, you know I don't have I can't, I know I can't live on social security. So I actually have a couple of million dollars for my husband and for me to live on. Mm-hmm. And when you think about you know, if you draw down five percent a year, um, mm-hmm. that's a hundred thousand dollars a year, it makes me a responsible person for saving and for not putting myself in a position where I have to depend on the public to support me. And that also could and, and in yeah. terms of the corpus of money, when I'm very old, at some point I'm gonna And in order not to put myself on the county and at the taxpayer's expense, I'm going to have to start burning the the principle. The thing is that whenever they come up with things like this and they talk about, quote-unquote, millionaires, they include people like me. And all I'm doing is being responsible. I saved and I went without a lot of things in my life to make myself um, the, the child of the greatest generation, people who did this routinely. And so the thing is that it never turns out the way they say it's going to be. Like they're just going to go after the people who are billionaires. They're going after me too, and all I did was be responsible. Well,
2: oh no, no, Jacqueline, you're not responsible. What you are is somebody who is one of the unjustified rich who have all these assets who are aren't aren't paying your fair share of taxes. But you, you, you're, and I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, of course, because you're you're exactly right. You you let's say let's say you own your home and, and maybe you own it free and clear because you responsible with that well that would be an asset that would be taxed well Jacqueline's not paying tax on the value of her house so we've got to tax her on on that and then we've got because she's only drawing down x percent well she's got a couple million dollars that are sitting there well we've got to tax that as well you're exactly right you are going to be punished for being a responsible person and saving all those years
4: well thank you because I need to have agree with me other people think I'm a millionaire and all I am is a person who probably never see that money to go blow I'll just end up needing that money for a living expenses and eventually for very high medical it,
2: right. Exactly. No. Th- thanks for calling. And you know, I have a text that makes the same point that you just made, Jacqueline. Just what society needs: more incentive for people to not save money for retirement. Right. That that is exactly it. You carry this to its logical extreme, and what you are talking about is punishing people for, uh, again, being responsible. Let's say. That you're one of those folks early on. You know, let let's say that one of your folk, you're one of those people that back in your 20s or your 30s, you decided, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start maxing out my uh, my retirement savings. I, I'm going to I'm going to go without, like Jacqueline was talking about. I'm going to max out if I can put in seven grand. Uh, it's fine if I can put in 20 grand. If I get catch up, whatever. I'm putting as much money as I possibly can into my my retirement savings knowing that i am going to live off this and i'm going to have to draw it down and when i draw it down i'm I'm going to have to pay a tax on it nobody is arguing that you always pay tax on the income so whatever it is you pay tax on that income but yeah what you talk about a disincentive to try to save for retirement if we say all right we want you to save but if you build up a decent nest egg you know you you Go without for, you know, two or three decades. And next thing you know, you turn around and hey, you've got a couple million dollars sitting in that account. Well, you know, you're not one of the evil rich. You know, should you be taxed on all that? And look, I understand Jacqueline isn't Jeff Bezos. Okay. I, I understand that, but it is the principle that is the same. So two issues here. First of all, this, this old canard about, you know, people not paying their fair share. Well, th- the truth is, you know, depending on what you think your fair share is, it really kind of all depends, I guess, on on whether it's you that's in that pot or, or not. Secondly, doesn't it bother anybody that you have confidential information illegally being leaked? And, of course, the news media just kind of runs with this all to advance a particular political agenda. And yet it bothers me a lot about that. Welcome
1: back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: Jeff, I was under the understanding that income tax records were a matter of public record. Was I wrong? Yes, uh, you are most certainly wrong. No, tax records are are confidential. IRS records are extremely private. When I was in the U.S. Attorney's office, you, I, I can't tell you if you wanted to get somebody's tax records. Let's say I, I was investigating drug dealers, for example, and you saw how the drug dealers were living. And, you know, there was no variable fiable fi- source of income. And we wanted to see, OK, how much are they reporting to the IRS? I cannot tell you how difficult and how many hoops it was that you had to jump through to get permission. This is a federal prosecutor investigating criminal activity. I can't tell you how many hoops that you had to jump through to find that out. So, no, no, this this IRS leak was clearly illegal. Everybody understands it. It's just that some people don't care about it. Back
1: for more, here's WTMJ's
2: Jeff Wagner. Just a couple final thoughts on what we were talking about before, the wealth tax. A number of fascinating uh, texts. Jeff, my wife and I are in the same boat as your caller, Jacqueline. We have assets of over $1.5 million. We work 45 years to prepare for retirement. Sometimes I'm tempted to cash out, pay the taxes, move to Belize. That's from art. <laughs> Just head on, head on down to Belize. Jeff, you're bringing forward a very unpo- important suspect subject. Taxing on wealth is extremely unfair. Jeff, I understand that people think Jeff Bezos is an enemy, but you know, he and others like him took entrepreneurial risks and now he has their reward. For the record, I'm in the same spot as your caller, Jacqueline. Uh, Jeff, the other thing people need to realize is most people, or at least many people, are equity rich. Um, they, they would need to sell assets to pay for new taxes, which then leads to a lowering of the value of these assets as they flood the market. Yeah, I mean, what, if all of a sudden, well, it's the same thing as a as, as a property tax. You know, the, the asset tax, if you include the value of somebody's house, that's the same thing as the property tax is now in many respects. So if, um, just imagine if you're one of these retirees, you, um, are, are living on income, your, you know, whatever, your social security and your pension, if you've got it and then you're drawing down your retirement savings but you, you live in a nice house now the house is paid for but all of a sudden you know, you're know you going to have to pay a double tax because we've got to count the value of that house well you're going to have to draw you know you're going to have to draw more out of your retirement account to try to pay for that now this is all wealth redistribution nothing more nothing less uh before we we move on to the police topic i, I did I want to offer a comment. I I say this every time one of these stories comes up, and I say it as my my humble way of trying to offer some advice to politicians, public figures, celebrities, whatever, um, when it comes to trying to make certain comparisons. Republicans do this, Democrats do it, independents do it, and it's always bad. What is that? it's when they compare something that is going on now to Nazi Germany, Hitler, the Gestapo, the Holocaust, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and for whatever reason you have politicians on both the left and right, public officials who always seem to look at a situation and say, this is this is like the Gestapo or this is like Nazi Germany or this is like the Holocaust. And it never is. When when you make those analogies, you depreciate what happened in Nazi Germany. You depreciate the value of the Holocaust. And frankly, you sound dumb when you do it. Now, the latest example of this is a Republican legislature legislator, um, Shea Sortwell, who is from the, the Two Rivers area. So he he was elected in 2019 and is very very anti anti-masks. Okay. So that's, that's, that's fine. He's been an outspoken opponent of masks and coronavirus vaccine mandates. All right. I, 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 I understand. Reasonable people can disagree on these issues. That's fine. He is free, in my opinion, to argue about, well, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be forcing people to wear masks and we shouldn't be forcing people to have to get vaccines. Okay. Reasonable people can disagree. You can have a rational argument about that. But here's how this story comes up. Apparently, um, last Friday, he goes to Facebook and he starts talking about the Central Wisconsin Children's Museum in Stevens Point Stevens Point which is where my producer grew went to college so Central Wisconsin Children's Museum in Stevens Point Stevens Point apparently has its mask policy the museum says masks would be optional for people who show their vaccination cards and masks would be mandatory for everyone else over the age of five. So it's one of those deals. Most places, it's kind of the honor system. And they say, you know, masks are preferred unless you've been vaccinated. In this case, you have to prove that you have been vaccinated. All right. Now you can argue, I think reasonable people can say that's an overreach. Reasonable people can say the museum's policy is wrong, and maybe this is something that would discourage people from going there. You can have that discussion, and then other people would argue the other side. But here's what he says in his Facebook post. He says, the Gestapo wants to see your papers, please. Of course, and that's a a reference to the secret police of of Nazi Germany. Um, Then when he was called, questioned about this yesterday, the representative says, I absolutely stand by my statement okay let's take a step back here and this is another one of the these examples like i say i understand the point he's trying to make given where we are in the pandemic about is is it really necessary anymore to require people to wear masks reasonable people could argue it's time to move on and that the museum's policy is overly restrictive and unnecessary You, you can make that argument we can have that debate but the fact that they are saying you gotta show up with masks and you gotta prove that you've been vaccinated if you don't want to wear a mask, linking that to the German secret police that came out in the night and grabbed away Jews and put them on trains and sent them to concentration camps is, is, is just, it's a breathtaking overreach. And you see politicians of all stripes doing it. And this guy's a Republican, and that's, of course, why it's getting a lot of attention. But that doesn't mean it's not staggeringly dumb. And when you have Democrats who do it, it's the same sort of thing. And when you have celebrities that do it, it's always, this is like the Holocaust. This is like Hitler. This is like Nazi Germany. This is like the Gestapo. It's never like that. It's just never like that. So... I mean, I understand that we have these discussions nowadays about words that need to be banned and concepts that need to be banned and analogies that you can't make. Advice to politicians everywhere, left, right, center. Advice to celebrities and public figures everywhere. If you want to get worked up over a policy, get worked up over a policy. But for goodness sake, come up with a different analogy than saying, gee, this is like the Gestapo. They're behaving like Hitler. This is like the Holocaust or whatever, because it's never like that. Back with more in just a minute.
1: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: The Miracle League of Milwaukee is celebrating its 10th anniversary. That means an entire decade of bringing together children of all abilities to play organized baseball. The Miracle League believes everyone deserves the chance to play our national pastime, but they can't do it without the support of the community. Now that's where you come in. This is the final week of our campaign. To find out how you can support this great local organization, go to WTMJ.com slash CARES or text the word CARES to 855-616-1620. WTMJ CARES, sponsored by Gruber Law, This is one call, that is all. All right, story in the Journal Sentinel the other day. The Wauwatosa Police Department sees extraordinary turnover... Uh, the Wauwatosa Police Department is short 21 sworn officers after a tumultuous year that saw a high-profile fatal shooting by a police officer, a mass shooting, that would be at uh, Mayfair, civil unrest, citywide curfews. Overall, 17 employees of the department left between May 2020 and June 2021. From 2018 through 2021 the department hired 28 new officers of those 28 only 19 are still with the department um most most you know left to take jobs at other law enforcement agencies but but they bailed on on Wauwatosa. um currently the department has 90 sworn officers it's it's budgeted for 100 of those 90, only 79 are currently working, a couple are injured, a couple are on family, medical leave, one is deployed. So you, you have you have a, a police officer shortage. To which my first comment is, no kidding, uh, no kidding. I mean, you look at what has gone on in, in Wauwatosa, you look at the abuse the Wauwatosa police have had to take, you look at some of these demonstrations and, and whether, it's not unique to Wauwatosa, whether, In Wauwatosa, where you have some of the – over the course of the year, a number of the protesters were following this tactic that you saw in Kenosha and you've seen elsewhere uh, of trying to bait the police, you know, just standing there screaming at the police officers, seeing if you can entice them to, again, act in an inappropriate way that is then captured on videotape and then becomes the latest cause celeb. But you see the abuse these officers are subjected to. You see the physical stresses and dangers that they are put through on a daily basis. and and I'm not surprised they're down as many officers as they are I'm actually maybe a little bit surprised that they're not down more and it all keeps coming back to the same overarching concept which is who who wants to be a police officer anymore our number 855-616-1620 that is the AccuNet mortgage talk and text line It, it was always in the past that police officers being a police officer wasn't for everybody, but being a police officer was sort of a noble profession and police officers in general were treated with a degree of respect and there were difficult and challenging and stresses of the job. But again, you, you were treated with respect. You were treated with dignity. Um, nowadays, a lot of that's changed. I mean, a lot of that has changed, and you see, in many, particularly urban areas, you have some members of the community—not all, but some—who view the police as an occupying force. Who's go around with the idea of let's let's see if we can provoke the police, let's see if we can provide, let's see if we can do something that's going to cause a police officer to act out. You know, police officers are going to be second-guessed on a on a regular basis. You face your, you know, you face a potentially life threatening task um, situation and you know your your actions whatever you do are going to be scrutinized and you know that there's going to be a certain segment of the community who's going to rush out and criticize look at what happened in minneapolis a couple days ago you have a, a fugitive who's a subject of a state, local, federal uh, task force operation. He gets in a shootout with U.S. Marshals, and without knowing any of the facts at all, immediately you have dozens and dozens of the usual suspects who come out and riot. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who wants to be a police officer nowadays? And if we're going to have that next generation of police officers, Don't we need to do more to try to support our police, which isn't saying that you don't criticize a police officer when they've made a mistake or you don't prosecute a police officer when they've committed a crime. But right now, I mean, would you encourage your kid to go into law enforcement? Would you encourage your grandkid to go into law enforcement? 855-616-1620. We discuss. And this is Jeff Wagner. Jeff, my dear friend is a police officer in the city of Chicago. He has undergone for the first time in his career so many doubts about continuing his public service job, and I can't say that I blame him. The amount of stress inherent in the job is bad enough. Yeah, that's true. For most people... We have good days. We have bad days. But we're not putting our lives on the line every every day when we make a traffic stop. And you go up to this to the to the window of the car, and you don't know whether you're stopping you know average Joe citizen who doesn't know they've got the tail light out, or whether you're stopping some you know desperate gangbanger who's got three bodies in the trunk of the car. You know, most of us don't face those life and death situations. The text continues. On top of that, you are now perceived as the enemy. Who in their right mind would sign up for that? Jeff, you'd have to be nuts to be a cop these days. If it wasn't for the retirement benefits, I doubt anybody would. Hmm. David in Madison. David, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi um,
3: David. so my son, um, my son is going to graduate next year with a degree in criminal justice. Um, now with that degree, he can do multiple things. I mean, he could go into the FBI, he could go into um, uh, all sorts of things with with mm-hmm. that. But one thing he is considering is he's looking to go to the police academy um, after he graduates and be a police officer, and then move up the ranks through through that. Right. Um, when I. When, after he graduates, I'm going to strongly encourage him not to go to any large community, anything like Milwaukee or Wauwatosa. I would want him to look at the community and see if, if they have a community that will have his back. Because why, why would you want to work in Milwaukee? As a police officer, when there is no support for you,
2: right? Or and and, and and then and then and then any other major urban area, Minneapolis, or can you imagine being a cop in Portland nowadays, or, or Chicago? Any of these these major cities? Yeah, you raise an interesting point. No, thank th- thanks for calling, David, and, and kudos to your son. Okay, to to give you an idea on the perspective of some people, I want to share verbatim a tweet that I just got, a text that I just got, Jeff, the police have squandered nearly all the goodwill they earned after September 11th. That would be September 11th, 2001. Way too many officers lie, steal, and brutalize people. These so-called good cops stand by and do nothing and don't condemn because of peer pressure. The police made the bed in which they must now lie. All right. All right. Way too many officers lie, steal, and brutalize people. Now, I I think that is an incredibly, an incredibly dumb statement. But, I mean, people have it. I mean, I recognize it is the opinion that some people have that cops, or either all cops are bad, or most cops are are bad, they are this occupying force, the world would be better off without police officers. I understand there is that attitude that's out there. I, I don't share it, but it's also that same attitude that contributes to this notion of, why does anybody want to get involved if there's people out there that think like that? And especially if you have talented young men and women who have different choices. I mean yet yes, there are there are advantages of being a police officer, but you know, how how do you recruit people? I mean, how do you recruit the best and the brightest if that's the environment that they're going to move into and they're going to be viewed by members of the community as folks who lie, steal, brutalize people, and even if you're not one of the people that do that, you stand by and watch while your colleagues do. Kind of frustrating.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
2: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Mike Spaulding, before you leave, do you remember the first, like, radio newscast you did, either professionally or when you were in school? I mean, do you remember? Do you remember, I do do. remember that? Yeah, yes. Okay, now let me ask you honestly, okay? Were you any good no. or. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Was it painful to listen to? Yes, oh, okay. uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Right. And, and I mean, for example, I remember. I remember the first talk show I, I did, and this is, I, I can remember the first one I did at TMJ, but I worked part-time, you know, up the dial for, I mean, I, I, matter of fact, back in the day, they used to do all the talk shows, and they used to, they record everything on cassette tapes, mm-hmm. and you could go back, and you could pull the tapes and listen to them, and at one point in time, I think I had the tape of the first or second show, and, I, and just I, years ago, I went back and listened to it, and I go, who, you know, who who would have known <laughs> that, that you could go from that start, and 26 years later, you know, you're, you're you're still getting paid to do a radio show, but but that that is the nature of the business, we All grow. Now, some people might say, well, you still don't know how to do a radio show, but we'll put that aside. That's okay. But, but, you know, when you start out, it's not uncommon the first time you do something to say, yeah, you're not that good at it. I remember my first trial, you know, in in federal court, first trial. A hundred trials later, I was a lot better than that that first trial. We just, normally in the beginning, you know, there's a learning curve, right? Yep. All right. I bring this up because. I was listening to some of the commentary about the practice yesterday with Jordan Love, and I was listening to a number of commentators just saying how he sucked yesterday. I mean, oh, he was awful. He just, he was terrible. He overthrew this guy. He underthrew this guy. He just looked awful. And I, I remember thinking... Gee, I I wonder how Aaron Rodgers looked at at his first practice running the number one team. I wonder how, you know, Brett Favre looked, you know, his his first practice. And I was just thinking for all these sportscasters who were or or commentators who were mocking him, I'm wondering, I I wonder how their first broadcast was or how their first story was. I mean, I look, I don't I'm not suggesting Jordan Love is going to be the second coming of Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. I, I don't know. But it was the guy's. First practice is the number one quarterback, and you know maybe maybe you cut him a little bit of slack, right? I would think so because today it seems like he's doing much yeah. better. I wouldn't put I don't I don't put much stock in the fact that he looked awesome today either. But yeah. I, I'm with you. Practice number one, or, or, give I, him a little slack. I right, think. Right. right that, that's all. I mean, I just I just kept thinking about the first time we all do stuff in our profession, and it's like, okay, if that's going to be the way you're you're judged, no. The question is, can you? Is there something there, is this little spark that you can maybe grow from? And and it might be that the guy's going to turn out to be awful and not ready for prime time. But I was listening, oh, he just looked terrible. This this was awful. Packers have to do everything they can to get Aaron Rodgers back in. Well, okay, maybe they're a better team with Aaron Rodgers than without him if he wants to play. But, I mean, give the guy a break, for goodness sakes, right? Yeah, and for anyone who's concerned, I would say uh, check Twitter out this afternoon because he's been slinging it, apparently – amazingly
3: this afternoon so you know I look but number one time
2: it's going to be tough, right? We we had there were there were people in your career who gave you a chance after the first newscast. There were Somehow. people, and there were people in my career who gave me a chance after the first talk show. And my guess is, for most of you, there was probably somebody who, who said, "Okay, well, it was kind of a rough first day, but come on back tomorrow, and we'll see how it turns out." Let let's let's do that with Jordan Love. And if three years from now, you know, he, he's been the Packers' quarterback and they can't win a game and he sucks, that that's okay. Okay, then you can say that, but not the first practice, not the first, it's not even training camp for goodness sakes. So, all right, just, just, now see, I, you would have thrown that whole bit off there, Mike, if you had said, no, I, was, I just knocked it out of the box that first time. You know, you know, it, it was a uh, Murrow
3: Award winning, number one, first <laughs> time I
2: cracked the mic, absolutely. <laughs> all right, well, thanks for playing along. Okay, there, there's a story in the, uh, there, there's a national story that I just, I, I have to, I, I just absolutely love because it, it's, I love it when law Enforcement gets creative. And this is the story about this global sting operation that was run by the FBI in coordination with a number of other agencies across the world. One of, see, as I was talking about earlier, um, one of the reasons this cryptocurrency this electronic currency is so popular is because it's difficult to trace that's why the cyberware criminals when they want a ransom for you know doing undoing whatever they've done to a business's computer system they they don't want it in cash because cash is traceable i mean there there's ways you got to put cash in a bank account and then you got to figure out a way to get it out of that bank account so they want cyber currency because they figure it's going to be more difficult to trace well not as much anymore, but that, that's the whole idea. You want to remain anonymous. There are a number of these encrypted websites that are out there, and by encrypted, I, I mean there are these communication sites that promise you that you're, nobody's gonna be able to access your communications, that, that governments aren't gonna be able to hack into them, that you're gonna be able to chat and complete privacy. And what you have to do is you have to pay a premium for this. And in these, a lot of these encrypted websites they're, they're the purview of, of criminals because the criminals need to figure out a way to communicate. So you go to some of these encrypted websites where you know the information you're gonna put up there, it's gonna disappear right away and, and nobody's gonna be able to trace you unlike like a lot of the regular websites that are there. So here's what happens. The FBI starts this sting operation, and they create their own encrypted communication service. They call it Anon, A N O M Anom, and and what they do is they they invite people who want to use the the secret service to to you know access this. But instead of this being a a group of people who are just um, I I don't know trying to make money from the anonymous service, this is really law enforcement. And what they find is they have hundreds of of criminals that that go on and start messaging about all this different criminal activity that they're getting ready to engage in, money laundering and drug smuggling and all these different sorts of things. And they're discussing their plans. The bad guys are discussing their plans on what they think is the secret service that nobody's going to be able to track down, which would be all well and good, except this service is being run by the FBI. And so um 800 arrests, 16 countries, more than 8 tons of cocaine seized, 22 tons of marijuana, 2 tons of synthetic drugs, couple hundred firearms, luxury vehicles, over $48 million in various currency, more than 150 threats to human life were all so disrupted, all because they do the sting operation. And the criminals, they're, they're thinking that, hey, we're really smart. Nobody's going to be able to track this down, not realizing that they're on a government sponsored website. It's just, I love, I love, I love, I love ideas like this. It's creative. And it also plants the idea to criminals in the future that, you know, when, when you're going on these websites, you know, you, you never you, you might think it's going to be protected, but you never know exactly is what is what's going to happen. And again, sometimes with criminals, you've got to work real hard to catch them. Sometimes it's sort of easy. I always tell the story back when I was chasing drug dealers. We're, we're doing a search warrant. We're in a drug dealer's house. All right. We're, we're seizing guns and drugs and things like that. The phone rings and one of the DEA agents answers the phone. And I, I'm going to paraphrase the conversation, but the voice on the other end of the phone says, "John, there." And the DEA agent says, "Well, John's not here right now. Who's calling?" And the guy says, "Well, this is this this is Frankie." Oh, well, what can I do for you, Frankie? And then Frankie says, "Well, I'm." I'm looking to buy a quarter pound of cocaine or whatever the thing was. Um, you know, I, you know, it's, I, I'm looking for a quarter pound. You know, uh, can, can you help me out? To which the DEA agent then says, "Sure." So you, you know, you you tell me. You know, John's not here, but I, I can I can help you out. You you tell me where should we, we should meet? And then they have this exchange back and forth. The guy says, "Okay, I'm going to be on the corner of so and so and so and so." And so then, 15, 11 minutes later, we drive by. There's a guy with a Mr. Coffee box full of cash just waiting. And it's like, hey, you are you, you, Frankie? Yeah, you John? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm here. Um, okay, here. Why don't you get in the car? Oh, by the way, you're under arrest for attempting to purchase cocaine. Sometimes, again, it, you got to work really hard to catch the criminals. Sometimes it's low-hanging fruit. In the case of this sting operation, they had to work really hard, but uh, they got the right thing accomplished. Back with more in just a minute.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: The city of Milwaukee for more than a year, and it's not the fault of the cops. This is actually because of of Tony Evers and the state law. Um, They have been prevented from enforcing vehicle registration requirements. So, if if you haven't renewed the plate, if you hadn't renewed the plates on your car, for example. And you were stopped. Well, it there there you couldn't be enforced. That couldn't be enforced, and that's because um, you know Evers had put into place all these pandemic emergency rules. And you know during the pandemic emergency rules, essentially the requirements that you get your car relicense were put on hold. Um, at this point in time, um, now that that's that's kind of disappeared. So now, if you are driving around with an expired License, you know, your vehicle, your vehicle registration is expired. You don't have current tags on and stuff. Now you can get a citation uh, again. And the Milwaukee Police Department is telling people, hey, by the way, if you've ignored, you know, re-registering your car and and you thought that there was not going to be any repercussions, well, now it's going to change. And so they're they're giving people notice that they're going to start enforcing this, which which is all well and good. My question, though, is how far do you go with this? Now, now, hear me out. One of the huge problems I, I think we have is you, you've got a huge problem with car theft. You've got a huge problem with reckless driving. You've got a huge problem with people who are driving cars without licenses or with expired licenses or whatever. So all that contributes to the overall quality of life. But part of that, I think, is also due to people who just decide that they're they're not going to register their cars. And in many cases, there's all sorts of reasons why they're not going to register their car. They don't want to have to have insurance on the car, for example. Maybe they don't have a driver's license, so they can't get insurance. So that leads them to not register their car. But people are driving around without their car registrations um, being up to date. So what, what do we do about this? Now, I... I understand that that people can make a mistake and look, nobody's perfect. And I understand that notice that you get from the DMV can get lost in the mail or you send your check in and that can get lost in the mail or you just kind of forget about this. So I understand that there's all sorts of reasons why somebody might not get their car re-registered, right? The question becomes, what do you do about that? And after Here's what I would, and this is what I really want to talk about. All right, let's say you get stopped. You have your registration expired, right? You get a ticket for the registration being expired, or you get a warning or, or whatever. Hey, sir, you know, your registration's expired. You've got to get it done. 30 days later, you get stopped, and it turns out that your registration is still expired, So it's not a question of you not knowing you had a deal. You've been stopped. You're already in the system. You've gotten a warning or you've gotten a ticket, and you haven't done anything about it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is that the time we should be able to impound cars and just take them away until such a time as somebody – does do what they're supposed to do, which is get their car registered. 855-616-1620. My answer, my answer is yes. I think the way we've got to start enforcing this isn't just to give out tickets, which may or may not get paid. I think not having your car registered is a big deal. And I think that If you've been stopped once, you've gotten a warning or a ticket, and you don't get it done in 30 days, and you get stopped again, at that point in time, I think it's time to just tow away that car and keep the car until such a time as you're able to demonstrate that you've paid the registration fees and go from there. 855-616-1620. Is that too harsh? We discuss.
1: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620.
2: 8556161620 Jeff you're 100% correct I'm tired of doing the right thing and watching slackers get away with everything uh, and I'm just saying that look we, for the last year, we've suspended, thanks to, again, the, the rules and the emergency orders that the governor put in place. They suspended requiring people to re-register their cars, even though all you had to do was write out the check, put it in the mail. It really wasn't a COVID thing. You didn't have to go down to the DMV and get it, didn't have to interact, but okay, that, that's all well and good. Well, that's all over now. So the Milwaukee police are saying, hey, you know, we're going to start issuing citations. Well, that, that's all well and good, but I, I don't think that's enough. I, I think It's a quality of life sort of thing, and I think if you really want to start getting a handle on reckless driving and things like that, um, requiring making sure that people have insurance, one of the things is if your car is not registered, you know, okay, you get stopped. You get a ticket, you get a warning, but then you get stopped 15 days later, 30 days later, or whatever, that car's still not registered. I'm saying tow it, impound it, it's gone until you do the right thing. I don't think that's too much to ask. Let's start with John on the north side. John, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon. What do you think? Yes, you're, you're, you're totally right. I mean, hey, look, everybody got to follow the law, and then it's against the law not to have a registered car. (laughs) That's just just plain as that. If you don't have that, you don't have insurance, and you you gotta have insurance. That's against the law. You just take the car, and and, and, until they got, you know, until they can afford it, they got cell phones, they got cable TV, you know, if you can't register that car 30 days after being warned, then then call the tow (laughs) truck.
2: Yeah, I I agree and get and and my my guess is John, I guarantee you if you you know, you you call the tow truck, you impound that car and my guess is in 2 days suddenly that car is going to be registered because people are going to want to get it back. And if they if it's not registered, it's because something there's something else going on and and maybe it's not their car or whatever. But yeah, the the rest of us guys like you and me, John, that 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 pay the pay the money, get the car registered, put those stickers on. We're chumps. There's all these other people that are apparently driving around, and they're not concerned at all with driving without registrations.
3: You're right. You're right. They need to they need to get it registered, and then it's gonna cost them more money. Yeah. If their car's impound, you know they're gonna just give you that
5: car. You got to show proof.
3: Right. That you got insurance when you take it off of the off of the, So
2: yep. so they just have to be you know hey get them uh, do it right do it right thanks for calling. that's exactly right you know do it do it right um jeff why are we giving people a pass when registering cars my son had to renew his license last summer during the height of the pandemic it took five minutes online he had his new license within a week people spend more time on uber eats i think this is ridiculous well that's and, and and again that's That was part of the whole thing with this emergency stuff that we put everything on hold and we said, well, it's too much to expect people in a pandemic to, I don't know, take that form and fill it out or go online or send in the check. It was too much. And we we can't expect people to actually go to the DMV and do that stuff. Okay, All right. That that was that was the rule. That was the rule in the pandemic. But the pandemic is largely over. But, you know, regardless of of that, If you're going to be driving around, you've got to have your car that's registered. And again, I understand that there might be mistakes, there might be be easy oversights and all, but you get X amount of time, and then to me, it's one strike and you're out. You get caught, you get that warning, you get the ticket, and then that's got to become a priority. And if you don't, The car is going to be towed. And if that means, oh, this is unfortunate, and gee, you're going to have to scramble to figure out where you get the money to pay the money to get the, the, the car out of the impound or whatever, too bad that that's that's your problem. You could have avoided the whole thing if you had just registered the car when the registration was up. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, if the policy you're talking about was in place, I might not have been hit by a guy with no license, no title, no insurance. He wanted to settle like gentlemen and not call the police. (laughs) I'll bet he did. All right, so yesterday afternoon, after the program, um, a friend of mine had called up, and we hadn't seen each other in a few days, and so we decided, let's let's go get a beer. And it was a nice day yesterday, and so we ended up going across the way to the the esterbrook park beer garden and esterbrook park is right next door to where our studios are at least for the moment so went over there a little bit after three to, to meet to meet him and, and it wasn't you know so we we go up and we we each get our beer and um go to go to sit down and, and it wasn't particularly crowded but i i mean there were some people there for a tuesday afternoon i'd say maybe I am um, maybe a dozen or, or so, but it's, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You know And I mean? In fact, I asked the guy that was, you know, working there. I said, you know, have, have you been busy? And he said, well, yeah, we, he said, weekends in particular, we, we get busy. And so that, that's fine. So we get our beers and, and we go sit down and I'm kind of looking at the makeup of the crowd and I, I said a dozen, may, maybe closer to 20 people because there was a table of, Six or eight people that were a few tables away from us, and there was another table of about six, then there were a couple people that were scattered throughout the beer garden. Here's what I, what I noticed. I, now this is, it's outside. So we're, we're sitting outside, it's a warm summer day. I would guess that about at least 50% of the people who were sitting at the beer garden were wearing masks. And, and, and I mean I I mean I mean I mean really wearing wearing the masks and it wasn't even like you know people would do to get around this at the Brewers game where you'd kind of like have the mask around your chin and have a glass of beer in your hand I mean there were people they, they, they were serious mask wearers and you know, I mean the the only time that they would take the mask down was literally to take a sip of beer and then put the mask back up again now I'm I, I'm not I, I just, I thought this was an interesting observation because as somebody who has been vaccinated and who's had COVID, I, I'm over the masks. And, and if, if the, if the rule, if the business says you gotta wear a mask to come in here and I really want to go into the business, I mean, I'll, I'll wear the mask. I'll follow the rules. But otherwise, if it's, if it's mask optional, I, I'm past, I'm, I'm over the masks because as somebody who is vaccinated again, I, I'm not, i 'm not going to give it to you, and i 'm not going to get it again from you as a practical matter, but I was struck by the fact that in this outdoor environment and, and we 're not even talking indoors in a restaurant or anything like that we 're not talking about indoors in a in a small retail establishment we 're talking about outdoors on an eighty five degree humid Tuesday afternoon at the local beer garden, you've got about like half the people that are wearing masks. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And and don't misunderstand me here. I, I mean I, I don't care. People can do whatever they want. You know, if, if you, you if you want to wear a mask and a hazmat outfit and you know all sorts of other stuff, that, that's okay with me. I, I don't I don't care. That's that's a decision that you're making. It doesn't affect me. But I was surprised by that many people in an outdoor environment, still choosing to wear masks. And by the way, they were, it, it wasn't like they were all strangers. I mean, these were, I mean, I, I can't say it might not have been two two separate families that were there, but there there were, it, it was people that knew each other. It's not like you've got people that are, I don't know, going to American Family Field and there's 40,000 people and you're sitting with a bunch of strangers. They were at They were at tables where they were with people that were either family or or friends. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. I just, I I guess I was a little bit surprised. Have you gotten over the mask wearing? And, or when you are going out in public, even in these outdoor environments, are you still wearing the masks? Because candidly, I I guess I, I just... This was not the setting that I expected to see anybody wearing a mask. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And note to a couple of the textures, I, I'm not ridiculing the people outside the beer garden yesterday who decided they wanted to wear masks for for the whole time, except they'd lower it to take a sip of the beer and they'd bring it back. That, that they, they can do it. I don't care, but you can do whatever you want. That doesn't affect me. I was just a little bit surprised that people were still doing this in an outdoor setting, in 85 degree heat, given where we are, which is essentially largely through the pandemic. They, if they want to wear masks for the rest of their lives, that's fine. I was just surprised to see as many people as I saw yesterday doing it. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I've observed two distinctly different behaviors throughout the pandemic in Milwaukee County and the city versus more outlying areas. Many in outlying areas never wore masks outdoors regardless of the rules, whereas in Milwaukee County, many people are still wearing masks outdoors. And that was certainly the experience um, yesterday, Jeff, I know of a lot of people who don't trust the vaccine and continue to mask everywhere. I don't understand why they don't trust it, can't figure this out. Um, Jeff, I really feel we were told to wear masks but that they couldn't hurt more than doing any good. Uh, let go of the masks. I think people should start to live your life. Jeff, I think um, it's that somebody said, is it possible it wasn't pure a purely casual gathering? It was a business meeting that was still uh, where the line is still a little hazy. And I said, no, there, there were kids and they, they, they had kids that had masks on as well. And then the response was, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Jeff, my sister-in-law won't go in a restaurant inside or out with a person who is not vaccinated. She is a person who wants to see your vaccine card before she will go anywhere with you. My guess is that that's probably going to limit her uh <laughs> she's she's probably not going to be going out that much I would guess. Um Jeff, I'm not wearing a mask outside. I'm vaccinated. If I go to a place of business where the employers are wearing masks, I will put one on. And again, I I follow the rules. If you tell me I got to wear a mask, I will, but very few places that I go to now I'm not sure I can even think of any that still require you to wear masks. And by the way, having been vaccinated, I have no problem. I, I legitimately go in there. I'm not pretending that I wasn't. Jeff, I think it's a Milwaukee County thing. after all of them in Dane County enforced the guy. after all, Milwaukee County and Dane County enforced the guidelines to the most. Up in Winnebago County, I'd say probably a third of the people still wear masks. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of surprising to me that you have a, thir- especially, especially in an outdoor setting where I think we've pretty much known from last summer that the chances of the transmission of the virus, vaccine or not withstanding or, or not is 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 not great i mean it's and and we and again we were we were outside at at this beer garden i think you can make an argument that the outdoor requirement of the mask has been completely unnecessary from the beginning but certainly now with all the vaccines 855-616-1620 let's talk to uh, kathy on the northwest side hi kathy hi what do you think
6: Well, you know, maybe those people that were sitting across from each other didn't have the vaccine yet, and maybe that's why they were wearing them. And I feel uncomfortable, you know, when I went into a store and I had my mask on and I've had the vaccination, and so has my husband. But am I supposed to trust everybody's gotten their vaccinations? And let's not forget, we still have cases of the COVID in hospitals, and we still have to wear a mask in a hospital.
2: How far, How and long? And, and, we have have to, and we have to. Variants, on, and we have to wear them. And we have to wear on planes. How long do you think you're going to yeah. wear a mask, Kathy? And and it's your right to do it. By the way, I'm I'm as long as you don't right, tell me that right. I have to wear one. I'm I'm cool. If you want to wear one, that's good with me. Um, how long do you think you're going to wear a mask?
6: I don't know. As long as it takes, Jeff, as long as it takes. Um, I have to wear one at work for 12 hours a day, 40 hours a week. So it's like, I'm going to wear it as long as I'm working. And as long as this new variances are coming around, I will put one on. It doesn't bother me. It's a Simple little thing that has been made into a political thing. Well, oh, wait a, a minute. Do
2: you, well, let me stop you. Do you think all the rest of us should still be be made to wear masks?
6: Uh, you know, I don't. I'm not going to force anybody to wear it. Okay. But when you're in my situation, I'm a registered nurse, and when I have to sit in front of you, and you want to take your mask off. No, you're not going to endanger me or my coworkers or my family.
2: So you think that you're you're probably prepared to wear a mask for years, potentially, given the fact that we're probably not going to get to herd immunity? Is this going to be the new normal for you? Probably. Okay. No, thanks. And we don't no. know
6: how long the vaccination lasts either. Are we going to need boosters pretty soon?
2: All right. I, I, Kathy, that, that, that's, that's a fair question. And I, I, I mean, I remember when this was first starting. I, I did a topic and, and my, my guess is that our world has been to an extent permanently changed. And I, I'm not, I'm not mocking you when I say this, Kathy. You, you get to, I don't care what you do. If you, if you, you know, if somebody wants to go out and, and wear masks and wear gloves and wear hazmat suits and I'm taking this extreme, that's okay with me. I, I, so I do firmly believe that there's going to be, That there's going to be a a certain percentage of people, one in five, one in ten, two in ten, I don't know, who are, are going to, who are just, this is going to be what the new normal is, that they're going to, they are going to wear masks forever. And, or... You know, and, and Kathy said as long as it takes, but I, I don't know what that means because I don't there's always going to be variants. I don't think covid, for example, is ever is ever going to go away. That's just my personal belief. I mean, it's always it's going to be around. And just like the flu, even though I know if covid isn't the flu, you know, that there will be, I'm sure, resurgences from from time to time. And so I think there's some people that are just always going to wear wear masks. I'm not one of them, but there's some people that are always going to do that. Emma um, in Heartland. Hi, Emma. You're on WTMJ.
5: Hi, Jess. I just wanted to give my input. I'm a high school student in the Lake Country area, and I can tell you that a lot of kids in the Lake Country area, at least at the school that I just graduated from, are not wearing their masks anymore. We didn't wear them at prom or our senior parties, and pretty much everyone in the Lake Country area, whether you're inside or out, most people from what I see are really not wearing them at all anymore.
2: Why do you think that is, Emma?
5: I think that, Honestly, a lot of people around here are vaxxed, and the people that aren't have just decided that they're going to take the risk anyway. Mm-hmm. The few people that do wear them, that's their own decision. But I guess since businesses aren't really making it mandatory anymore, we've decided to take mm-hmm. them up on that.
2: Um, have you gotten your Have you gotten vaccinated yourself yet?
5: Um, I have not. I need to for college, but okay. um, since I've been in a sports season, we are waiting until the end of that.
2: Okay, just in case you – just you, are, are you worried about the vaccine, Emma, or not really? It's just kind of like you, you've heard that sometimes people have these reactions and you're in the sports season and you don't want to miss a meet or something. Um, are you worried about getting the vaccine?
5: Um, I'm not really worried. I am a little concerned about what happens in the long term just because it's relatively new. Right. However, all of my friends really have been fine within a day or two of getting the vaccine, so I'm not super concerned about being out for too long.
2: Um, got it. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the perspective. No, I, I mean, I do think, you know, most of the people, I I think most people are kind of past it. Here's a texter. What's it to you if somebody wears a mask? As I have said now for the third time, I don't care if people want to wear a mask. I just thought, I I, I think the vast majority of us are, are done with the masks. And, um, and so, I mean, I don't care if you want to wear a mask. I just thought it was interesting, again, being in an outside environment yesterday where I saw such a high percentage of people who were still continuing to wear the masks, despite the fact, like I say, that in the outdoor environment, even the most Like hardcore, we got to be safe folks, I think would agree that it's pretty much an agreement that in the outdoor setting to begin with, before you have the vaccines, before you have the CDC guidance in an outdoor setting, the likelihood of the COVID uh, of getting COVID from somebody was always dramatically less. I mean, that's what we've known from the beginning. And now in the post-vaccine world, you still have what I saw was a goodly number of people that were continuing to wear the masks, I, I think. My general sense is I, I thought that that was it was sort of an abnormal situation where I was yesterday. My guess is, if I would go to beer gardens throughout this area, I would not see that high a percentage of people. But it's it's nothing to me as long as you don't expect me to wear a mask. I don't um, I don't care. Jeff, um, I had COVID. I will not get the vaccine. I am done with the um, mask thing um jeff in spite of your words you're coming very close to mask shaming well that's not well look if if you're uncomfortable with that that that's your problem i mean it's i i've accepted the reality like i say that for moving forward there are going to be all sorts of people who are going to wear masks for the rest of their life, not like unlike if you used to go to Las Vegas and you could see a number of people who were um, from from China, for example, and, and we're marrying we're wearing wearing masks is just a common thing. And so, you know, that that's just what they do. And so that's, I think that you're going to see a certain percentage of that moving forward. I think for most of us, it's not a question of mask, shame. I don't look down on people who are wearing the, the masks. I just think, I thought it was, an int- it was interesting because I think most of us are, are ready to ditch the masks. And most of us, in fact, have ditched the masks. Um Jeff, I have had COVID. Um I don't think I'm uh, I'm done with the mask thing as well. Um Jeff, I am it's a then they have a political thing it's a democrat thing the republicans aren't vaccinated and aren't mask aren't mask wearers the democrats are vaccinated and still do um people on neither side trust the science so i don't know if it's a republican or democrat thing trust me i know lots of republicans who are in fact vaccinated i'm one of them all right back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner opened up a can of worm with that at least worms with that. at least about a half dozen textures going i'm wearing masks i'm going to wear masks forever or at least as long as it takes and, and and nobody should ever even comment that people are sitting outside wearing masks Well, again i don't care if you wear masks or not i just thought it's interesting because i think most of us are, are done and over with it but apparently there's a small group of folks who just aren't ready to move on and that's fine Wear masks for the rest of your life. Okay with me. Alright, another group that's out there, very upset as well, is the people who just don't think the government should cut off those $300, you know, extra stipends for unemployed people that give them incentive not to go back to work. Well, here's the latest example for people who don't think there's jobs around. Roundy's, that's, uh, you know, of course, the supermarket company. Um, Roundy's is seeking to hire 900 people to work at their pick and save and metro market stores throughout Wisconsin, Festival Foods, which is expanding into the Milwaukee area. They want to fill hundreds of positions at the Hales Corners and West Dallas stores, plus a store that they're getting ready to open in Greenfield. They're going to be holding a big hiring event all week. They operate 35 stores. Bottom line is... Anybody looking for a job, I mean, there are, in fact, jobs that are out there. And what's going to happen is, as soon as that extra $300 benefit that Tony Evers wants to continue giving to people so they don't have to go out and look for work, once that ends, everybody's going to go out to look for for work. And you know what? There's going to be plenty of jobs out there for them. Stick around.
1: live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's
2: jeff wagner good afternoon wisconsin welcome back to the program so melissa we'll pull back the curtain on something that's going on at 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 radio city at least for the moment is that the there's a gated parking lot in the back that employees can park in and we share it with um, to the folks from today's TMJ four, and you have a card key that gets you in. Um, over the last couple days, last week and this week, they've been resurfacing the parking lot. So what they do, what they've done is they, they've done it in a couple installments. And so, like last week, they they, they had half or probably two thirds of the parking lot blocked off, um, and then th- this this today is the rest of it. But there's there's not enough parking spaces go around, and so if there's not a space for you to park you can park across the street at the uh, like the piggly wiggly parking yeah, yes. lot right mm-hmm. okay so that that's what's that that's all the backgrounds going on now I have been fortunate because when it is the time I come in there's mm-hmm. always been a spot in a lot so I have not had to go across the piggly wiggly because you park at the piggly wiggly then you got to walk across Capitol drive and you take your life you into do your own you take hands.
0: your life into your own hands you're an, you know you carry your coffee in one hand you have your purse in the other and you're dodging traffic and you're just it, I said it's like Frogger it's like get, <laughs> like I'm gonna get hit at at some point here, it's not good, not a good feeling.
2: Right. Okay. So that—that's the. So there, there's incentive to want to park in the back. And like I say, I've been lucky this week because it, it must just be the time that I'm coming in. Like today, there was one spot left in the the area, so I, I parked there. So I'm so I'm not dealing with the. I like the analogy. It's kind of like Frogger. Like Frogger jumping through. Yeah. So, oh, look, there's this guy, Ma- three guys driving stolen cars, and that one doesn't have that's a license right, plate yeah. on it, and that's it. You know,
0: it's funny because this morning I came in a little bit early because I was working on a project, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to find a parking space. And I did go in the back, and there was nothing there. So I'm thinking you're right. It's the, the timing. Right. There. I know if I come my normal time, then I'm good because there was two spaces yesterday. So it's just kind of like... Holding oh, your breath.
2: All right, so that so that's kind of the background yeah. on on what's going on. Well, I, I didn't see this when it first happened because for some reason this email goes into kind of my junk email sort of thing. But a few minutes back, I, I look across the way and my producer is gone, and it, instead we have our executive producer who's sitting there like answering the phones, and I'm going.
6: Why huh, is Nick what, there? What
2: you we know, what what, <laughs> what what has happened, and well, okay. As, as we try to unravel this, there is a there's an email that came out at one thirty five in the afternoon from uh, the the lady that works at the front desk, and the email says, "Good afternoon." See, they're always so polite. That's so nice. Good afternoon. If you drive a blue Hyundai, then with the license plate, we need you to move your vehicle. Well, now it all comes together because apparently. The one person that drives the blue Hyundai around here would be the man who produces the show today and always grew. So, wh- where did you park that got the company-wide email sent out? Uh, I parked in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no. What, what, what do you mean the corner? I, I I don't know. I parked somewhere where I couldn't park, so I had to move the car. I okay. Did you kn- did you know that you were parking somewhere where you weren't supposed to park when you did it? no no i mean i i I felt like i was kind of near the end i don't, I don't know into <laughs> the line okay so you weren't being an intentional scofflaw you you thought that you thought that this might be a space that's your story and you're gonna stick to it uh yeah i mean i wasn't completely aligned with all the other cars but i mean <laughs> you I, know
0: what i i i feel for you i if i there would have been a spot this morning i would have tried to sneak my car in there I get it.
2: What's happening here? Are we trying to <laughs> shame me on, on the oh, air right, about right, what's happened? Right. First of all, it's like mask shaming. You know, people, oh, you were making fun of people who were at Vesterbrook Park yesterday wearing masks. No, I was just curious as to whether or not you were an intentional rules violator or whether this was kind of something inadvertent. And you're saying it was inadvertent. It's
0: okay to break the rules sometimes. You're saying it was inadvertent. Yeah, I accept okay. that. It's okay. It's okay. All right.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. We'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll give you the benefit. We'll give you the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. But that's it. It's kind of like, huh? That's that. That's uh, you know. But it is. It is sort of a pain. But hopefully they will have that all taken care of.
0: The front lady said. Front desk lady said by the end of the week. So that's enough. That's enough time <laughs> to yeah. park across the street. Usually we have to park across the street because there's icicles falling from the towers. But well,
2: and of course when the move downtown occurs, whenever that will be the end of this year early part of next year um it's going to be indoor parking yes. so you're not going to have to worry about that i was that's thinking one about that the, this morning I that's like, one of the plus things that that they have that's but gonna be nice. um well good luck I, I love it when you said it was kind of like playing frogger because yeah. that was yeah. it remember i there's a lot of people who probably don't even remember what the frogger reference is but that's that's that old video game where you yeah, kind of have to like jump around and yeah. stuff like that when we come back the government's getting ready, ready to pay you to get busy stick around Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, before we move on, I, I did want to say a very special thank you to folks. Um, every year, there, there, there's a thing called Talkers Magazine, which is sort of like the variety of the radio talk show industry. And every year they come out with a, a list of, you know, 100, they call it the heavy hundred, but it's the 100 most influential talk show hosts in the country. And it's a very subjective list. It's kind of like, you know, it's like arguing about who makes the best cheeseburger and stuff, but it's, it's a very subjective list. But the the list came out again. And uh, for the seventh Year in a row, I got included on it, um, and so that's seven years in a row, and like eight years out of nine. And it is—it's always nice to be included. I sent out a link to this with a thank you note. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. It is always nice to be included with so many talented talk show hosts from across the country, and I—I I do very much appreciate WTMJ for giving me a platform all these years to—to um, to, to do my program and I certainly also appreciate the sponsors and our listeners and fans for giving me a, a wonderful second career so I um, thanks to talkers radio talkers magazine and, and thanks to everybody for um, all all the years I have appreciated it very much okay the birth rate nation in, worldwide in most cases is down the birth rate in the United States is is way, Down, And it's been a a long term trend. I mean, here are these numbers. The number of babies born in America last year was the lowest in more than four decades. U.S. women had about three point six one million babies in 2020. That's down four percent from the previous year. Now, of course, you know, last year. What was an anomaly to an extent total births lowest since nineteen seventy nine and there's a a concern that you know we're we're, we're not we're not having enough babies and you're you're not seeing that the population growth is what it is, and the fact there are some people are looking and saying, okay well, if you look forward as more and more of like the baby boomers and stuff age and die don't mean to be morbid but that's the reality you know are there going to be people that replace them and so there's people looking at what they call the fertility rate and and now folks are trying to decide does government have a role in something about this? Now, now um, China's been going through this, and you might have seen the headlines a couple weeks ago that China has now allowed families to have one more child. They are trying to encourage, you know, families to, to have children for the first time in in ages. In the United States, we provide all sorts of financial incentives for people who, who have Children. We have child tax credits. We have government-funded preschool programs. We've removed the marriage penalty from the tax code. All of these things are designed to make life easier for younger parents and, and their families. Um, but but now, even though we have all these things, we're, people aren't having as many kids. And so the dialogue is now starting to be, you know, do we need to do more things? And there's a story in the Wall Street Journal talking about, you know, how some politicians are looking at, you know, direct financial inducements to encourage people to have more children in the first place. In other words, having the government getting involved and actually saying, look, we're, we're, we're gonna pay you to start having kids. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the ICAD Mortgage talk and text line. There are, there are a number of different, you know, incentives that you can work out. Like I say, we already offer taxpayer supported incentives to have kids, to, to, people who are raising families. Um, and those are incentives that don't go to people who don't have kids or who are out of their childbearing year, um, years. But nevertheless, you know, we still have situations where that the birth rate is starting to go down. So I guess the question becomes, should the government be involved in this? Should the government be doing more to encourage people to have children? 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Putting aside the question of, you know, are, should we give more benefits to to people who have young kids or, or not? That, that's a whole different discussion. I, I guess I'm reading these stories and I'm trying to think about it. And to me, the decision to have children or not to have children is is a very individual decision that, that should be made primarily on, on the question of, are you prepared to have children? Can you raise children? Things like that. The government, whether it's direct cash payments or subsidies or things like that, I just don't think it's the government's business. You can make an argument that maybe the taxpayers have a role in trying to help people once they've had kids. But as far as a a taxpayer provided incentive directly for getting pregnant and having children, sorry. I I just don't think that's the role of government. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment.
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
4: 855-616-1620.
2: 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Right now, the birth rate in this country is below what experts call the replacement rate. Don't mean to be morbid, but it's the number of new babies that you need to keep the population stable. And the coronavirus pandemic, I think it is lo- likely held down the birth rate, but, but U.S. births have fallen each year um, from 19, each year, but one from 2009 until 2020. So, I mean, it's not like last year was an aberration solely because of the coronavirus pandemic. So the question is, do we need to do more to encourage folks to get busy and women to have children? 855-616-1620. Colleen in East Troy. Hi, Colleen. You're on WTMJ.
7: Hi, Jeff. Longtime listeners, first time callers. Okay, I this to say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so this is what motivated you to pick up the phone and call. Very cool. What do you think?
7: Well, I'm th- going to be 32 on Friday, and I have no children. And I feel like we should be incentivizing people not to have children because, to me, it seems like we already have a problem in society with overpopulation and not having enough funds and not having enough resources for everyone as it is. So encouraging to just grow that to me doesn't make sense
2: mm-hmm. uh, uh, Colleen can I are, are you are you married
7: I am not I am single
2: okay uh, do you and I, I guess uh, I mean I guess you don't have to be married to have children I, I understand how that works but I mean do you have do you have plans to have children someday do you want kids or do you not want kids or are you just kind of undecided at this point
7: I would I think someday in the future I would like to have kids.
2: Right, right. Do you feel, and again, I, I apologize, you're your first time caller and I'm asking you personal questions so I apologize for that. Oh, no, but, that doesn't but, go in it. I mean, do you feel like you've, you, you've okay, you said you were 32, do you have like a biological clock that's running? Do you feel, do you feel pressure to do that or just, you know, w- whatever happens, happens?
7: Uh, whatever happens, happens if I meet the right person but I also just want to experience that love of being a mother and a parent someday. Right, right. But being like Given an extra check to be like, "Hey, do it next Tuesday." That's, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really encourage me to do so. Well, well wait
2: and see. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's and and I guess and and the, the other thing, Colleen, is I wonder about Colleen. You're my favorite call today. I got to tell you. The the other, but <laughs> we, we we had we had Emma. We had the high school girl from Heartland. She was kind of cute. But uh, I
7: the, did. I, I heard that, and I appreciated having the younger and female audience call in. I really appreciated that perspective.
2: Yeah, it, that's. Uh, but I guess. You know, it, it's one of those things. I, I think that I think that the decision to have children is a very, very, it's a very, very personal one, and there's lots of factors that go into it. And, and I'm not sure that, from a society perspective, you know, just just essentially paying people to to produce children. I'm not sure that's the best situation. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good to necessarily be saying to people, "Hey, you might not be ready for kids, but we're we're going to give you money or we're going to give you this to have kids." I'm not sure that's the best environment to have kids brought up in.
7: No, exactly, and and there are, albeit, some people out there that probably shouldn't have kids. So if they're given this option, they might procreate and yeah. you know not. That's probably not the best thing to do.
2: Oh, okay. Well, Colleen, you. I tell you what, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You call back sometime, okay?
7: Hello
2: jeff thank you so okay, much it's great you. to hear you and be live for once <laughs> thanks for the call what a great call <laughs> uh, it, well, you, you, you just absolutely kind of love that that perspective that 's out there again see there's i mean there are people out there who believe that what we 've done is we 've already given too many incentives for people to um we, we've already had too many incentives. We we reward people for for having children too much now with, with the whether it's the tax credits and things like that, and that's unfair to the people that don't have children or the people that are past their childbearing age. Yeah, you know, that, that's a whole another conversation that's out there. But we've we've always had programs to try to again encourage the development of families and things of the like. But but the idea of taking it this next step forward and saying what we have to do is we have to like pay off people in order to encourage them to have kids, I just I, I I'm not there. Don't buy it. But but yet that's going to be one of the pushes that is out there. Anyhow, it's 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 interesting. I mean the other question, and Colleen just touched on that, is is whether or not a declining birth rate is necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, and and she you know touched on it. She said, "Okay, you, you live in this planet that has you know these limited resources and things like that. I, is it necessarily the worst thing that you you don't have like a huge population growth? Now, obviously, you need a, a certain you 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 don't want populations to die out. Uh, but I'm not saying we're like that. Plus, times change. I mean, I, I think." You know, I had a text here from somebody saying, well, my wife and I, were in our early 30s. We'd have kids. We've got these huge student loans. We don't feel we're financially ready for it. I mean, I think there was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there was, I mean, the, the typical – thing was you you marry your high school sweetheart, you you get married, you have kids early. That that's I think changed. I think, you know, there's a lot more two career families. I think there's a lot more people that are out there waiting until they get more established in their their lives, saying, okay, look, I mean maybe we, we want to have children, um, like a caller was saying, you know, I, I want to experience that sort of thing. But there's other aspects of life that I want to experience too before we make that step. I just think it's part of this natural evolution evolution. evolution that people are having children later in life that means by definition in some cases they're probably going to end up having fewer children but they're all making the decision i think this is an area where the government is best staying out of it all right when we come back we're going to find out what john melissa and greg have on their minds for wisconsin's afternoon news stick around